Good morning. This is Charles Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour. You know, we're now going on our 10th year of podcasts, uh, first with our friends over at America's Web Radio and now here on our own podcast station uh, on SoundCloud initially and then uh, broadcast to all the other uh, apps out there, including Stitcher and, uh, and iTunes and all the rest. Uh, I, I took last week off, though. I, I just thought, you know, maybe I need a break. Uh, I need some way to get my mental health refreshed because as I've been thinking recently about how hard it is to be an immigration lawyer in 2019, uh, I realize we all occasionally need to take a mental health break uh, kind of relax a little bit and try not to think about what crazy thing is going to happen today uh, or tomorrow or crazy thing happened yesterday with this administration. In my 30 years of law practice as an immigration lawyer, it has never been like this. In some ways, I really feel bad for all the new immigration lawyers out there. First of all, I'm really happy that so many have said, you know what, I'm going to join this fight. I want to become an immigration lawyer because they see it as the front lines of the legal fight against some terrible people, some terrible policies, uh, and fighting for people that literally cannot fight for themselves. But at the same time, you've got to take a step back every now and then and uh, relax a little. So I took two of my granddaughters with my wife and one of my sons and his wife down to Disney World. Uh, little did we know that we had planned that trip during Hurricane Dorian. <laughs> and um, the good news, well, there's two pieces of good news. One, hurricane didn't hit Orlando. And two, everybody else thought it was going to hit Orlando. So Disney World was empty, um, got to go to Galaxy's Edge, uh, hop right on Smuggler's Run, uh, walk through an otherwise pretty vacant park in comparison to other times we've been there, uh, and overall have a really good time. So I would recommend uh, going to Disney World the next time they announce a hurricane for Florida. I think you'll find that uh, it's a little bit easier to navigate that place. Uh, and what I tried to do while I was down there is I really tried... Uh, to not spend a lot of time on the news. Uh, I tried not to tweet, although I did several times, and I tried not to really get lost in the swirl of politics that swirls around immigration every day. And I would say I was about 50% successful. I, I find that I need to go out of the country in order to get away from the politics of this. Although being at Disney World for 15 hours a day uh, at least gets you away from the television set, which is a, which is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, you come back, first of all, you know, you've got the, I mean, I don't know what you call it, avalanche of emails to deal with that have accumulated, the ones you didn't quite answer on your, on your phone uh, to deal with. There's always an emergency, of course. Uh, one client, uh, literally the morning I got back, they got served with an, uh, a notice of inspection from ICE. Another client had a notice of inspection due when I got back. I mean, it was just, you know, that kind of crazy stuff. But one thing that seemed to, that really made me happy was I came back to a, uh, to a survey uh, that was published in the Washington Post. And uh, this survey uh, buoys me because it shows, it shows two things. One, that Trump's constant attacks against immigrants and constant referencing of the crisis at the border and the constant referencing, referencing of horrible people coming 
It works with some people. But more importantly, it turns many more people off. Now, this survey, uh, which was reported uh, in detail today in the Washington Post, said some really interesting things. First, Republican concern about immigration has risen sharply, rivaling international terrorism as the top security threat for the first time in two decades. Oh my goodness, really? What Kool-Aid are you people drinking? We, we are one, uh, nowhere near any international crisis or concern uh, as a security threat through immigration. Um, but it just goes to show you, you can fool some of the people all of the time. Uh, wasn't that P.T. Barnum, I think, that said that? That's, that disturbs me. Uh, as somebody who used to be a Republican, uh, to really look at this idea that um, uh, people have been fooled into believing that their neighbor, the owner of the restaurant or the server at the restaurant, the cook at the restaurant they're going to, or that their fellow church member could be a security threat to the United States because they're an immigrant. That, that's just stunning. Um, this found that, polls found that 78% of Republicans say large numbers of immigrants and refugees coming to the U.S. represent a, quote, critical threat to the nation's vital interest, which is a 12% increase since last year. Um, that's 78%. 76% describe international terrorism as a high-level threat. Wow. You people have been lied to. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You've been lied to. Immigration isn't a security threat. Immigration is the salvation of the future of America. Immigration is what we desperately need right now. Um, which, you know, points out why we got we why we have to get out and vote in the next election and get somebody in the White House who has some semblance of a brain and some empathy for what's going on here. Uh, now, get this. So 78% of Republicans say large numbers of immigrants are just coming to the U.S. with a critical threat. Now, what that means, who knows? But get this. Among Democrats, 19% said the same. That is a 60-point difference between those two groups. Now, we don't know where... Independence falling here yet. We'll get to that. Um, and in fact, Democrats ranked it last among 14 possible concerns, including climate change, cyber attacks, and foreign interference. Republicans voted immigration as more highly critical than foreign interference in American elections. This says a lot more about Republicans than it does about Democrats. The fear of the other is not something that you can boast about having. Uh, this, is, this is just powerful. Um, this is the largest partisan divide over immigration in more than 20 years. And the Post kind of ties it to the uh, increase, the, the dramatic spike of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexican border. You mean those that are seeking asylum at the U.S.-Mexican border. Um, and as Democrats fought against the wall, as if the wall 
was going to stop people from coming in. And keep in mind, let's be clear. Democrats offered the entire wall and all of the funding, $25 billion. And all Trump had to do was give DACA kids green cards. That's it. That's it. And he'd have gotten the whole thing. And he said no, because his co-president, President Miller, said, no, we want to also cut all legal immigration in half. Of course, that's not going to happen. That's just stupid. That truly is cutting off your nose to spite your face. Um, so this means that Trump is going to get his wish, that this is going to be a key point in the elections coming up. And I just hope whoever the Democrats nominate as a nominee, that they have the brains to point out and to advocate for consistent or even increased levels of immigration using, of course, security as a, as a, as a, as a tool to increase the power and economic potential of the United States. What we don't need is some Democrat who sides with Trump on this crazy stuff. This is easily um, debated. You know, we, we have never had in our history greater checking of people's backgrounds and greater ability to discern and understand a person's potential threat to the United States. We also are grossly overplaying and conflating undocumented immigrants who broke the law once, the federal misdemeanor of entering the country illegally, with decades of obedience to the law, decades, uh, who have raised fine families, great U.S. citizen kids, and DACA kids. And we can't fix this? This is kind of crazy. Now, get this. This is interesting. Overall, 43% of the public say immigrants and refugees coming to the U.S. are a critical threat. That's overall. So it's still a, a small minority. That's up four points from last year. Independents mirror the general public saying 40% call immigration a critical threat. But um, what's important about this is what this means for the rest of the country. All right. At a time of strong partisan division, the polls show a striking amount of partisan agreement on foreign policy goals. So they talk about foreign policy stuff. Um, but get this. Um, 78% of the people, um, well, even better, um, 8 in 10 people in the poll, overall, 80% said that it would be very or somewhat effective to create a pathway to citizenship for people in the country illegally who agree to pay taxes, speak English capably, and have a clean criminal record and have steady employment. 75% of Republicans and 90% of Democrats said to do this. Well, is there any other issue in America where literally 80% of the public agree on it and Congress hasn't acted? Um, yeah, there is. Of course, there's a little bit of background checks on guns, which they also won't do. Now, this is, uh, uh, this is crazy. Now, the other good stuff about, good stuff about this poll said the survey found little faith in Trump's, quote, now rescinded policy. It's not rescinded. He's still doing it. Separating parents and children. 40% of Republicans said this was a good thing. Uh, and only 10% of Democrats. It's really been a galvanizing factor against Trump. 
Um, so this 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 poll, I, I would I would commend you this article in the Washington Post uh, to, to see what this talks about. But thinking about that, eighty percent of Americans of all parties agree that we should have a legalization program and a path to legality. I, I really don't like calling it a path to citizenship because only about 40% of people, permanent residents, historically naturalized. Uh, it's really a path to legality. That's, that's what we need to have is the path to legality. And um, it's what we don't have right now. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the, the Immigration Hour. We'll be right back with uh, a little bit more. Welcome back to the uh, Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, I wanted to, uh, I, I, was, I was touched by an article uh, this week uh, that I read uh, online, uh, which was written by a fellow named Bill Decker in a place called the dailyherald.com. He talks about uh, a couple of incidents that just occurred, and I think, I think you'd really appreciate that as, as people who... Uh, understand immigrants and immigration, and we know, I mean, I know my clients. They are uniformly good people. They are. They, are, they have hearts uh, that are pure. Uh, they are not. The people that Trump talks about, like this morning he talked about Bahamians coming, and somehow um, people sneak into the Bahamas that are terrorists and gang members apparently to wait out a hurricane, uh, survive a Category 5 storm, and then hop on a boat so they can come to America without, without ID? That, the, the man is truly detached from reality. But he hears this. He hears this from his staffers and from President Miller, uh, and he just repeats it as if it's fact. And he, he has proven time and again that if he just lies enough, people will just believe him. Uh, but I, I think this story, this, uh, this, this article tells you who the immigrants that I know, uh, and it's this. Um, I, just, I just thought it was just fascinating. My wife and I have recently experienced firsthand the fruits of America's desire to welcome immigrants. For us, it happened during two rides in taxicabs. In mid-July, we were set to go to Seattle to be with my wife's brother, who had recently lost his wife after her nearly five-year battle with cancer. We called for a taxi. On the way to O'Hare, we began talking with our driver, who was from Nigeria. We asked if he had a family. He said yes, a wife and children. But he added that he was here in America by himself. He said he received a phone call one morning, and the caller threatened his life. The reason? He is a Christian pastor. At times, our U.S. news outlets report stories of terrible things happening between certain adherents of Islam and followers of Christ in Nigeria. In our driver's case, he was threatened, apparently, because the caller did not believe that the two-faced should or could exist in Nigeria. So get out or else. He knew his life was in danger. Tragically, his family could not go with him. His flight to America would be all alone. Now he will have to wait for his family to be reunited with him at a later time. On the way back from Seattle, our flight was scheduled to come into O'Hare after midnight. It arrived nearly on schedule. However, there have been backups at the gates due to heavy rains during the weekend. This flight had to wait for a gate to open. That took 45 or more minutes and we finally disembarked from the plane and got our luggage. We held another cab and started our trip home. It was late, 1.30 or a.m. In a dark cab, it was hard to see the driver. We could hear him and knew he was from another country. When we got home, my wife mentioned that she could not find her cell phone. It wasn't just a cell phone she lost. The case that covered the phone, including pockets which carried credit cards and cash and her driver's licenses, 
We called O'Hare Security, let them know in case she did lost the phone there. Monday was spent closing out credit cards and requesting the cell phone carrier to turn off her phone on Tuesday, where there had still been no news about the phone's whereabouts. Things began to return to a new normal. Then midday, the doorbell rang. I went to the front door, and there stood a man whose first words were, Do you remember me? I looked at him, and I could not recollect that I'd ever met him. Then he held up my wife's cell phone and said, Do you remember this? You're the cab driver. He took us home early Monday morning from O'Hare, I exclaimed. He opened the cover of the phone and showed me that all the cards and cash were still there. The phone had returned. I invited him into our home and asked him if I could give him some money for all the trouble he went through to find us and return the phone. He declined. We left the house and stood outside for a moment, and I asked him his name. It wasn't a name I was familiar with, and I asked him his nationality. Nepal, he said. All I could think of after shaking his hand was say, God bless you, sir. God bless you. And off he went. I didn't mention the Pauline driver's name. He didn't strike me as someone who wanted his name published in print or broadcast over the airwaves. He wasn't looking for a fanfare. Apparently, he just wanted to do the right thing. Have you ever wondered who your neighbor is? These men are my neighbors, and yours too. The Nigerian pastor is a neighbor who reminds me of all those who were denied the human right to practice and share their faith. A major reality around the globe today. The Nepali man is a neighbor who does the right thing and doesn't ask anything in return. The crisis at the U.S. southern border certainly shows that our immigration system is overwhelmed and broken. But other times, the system seems to work really well. I thank God that this nation has welcomed these two fine gentlemen and neighbors. Now, as an immigration lawyer, I can only imagine that the Nigerian pastor has a pending asylum case with a work permit. And the Nepalese individual may be a TPS applicant, maybe maybe TPS, living in the United States after an education. But what you see here is what I see every day with my clients. I see people every day who are just doing their best to keep their families fed, to make a contribution, and to do the right thing as much as they possibly can. I mean, that's, that's really what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? Isn't that really what, how we're supposed to act, uh, that we're supposed to uh, be kind to people, that we're supposed to be friendly, that we're supposed to help people in their times of need. And yet we see our immigration laws today literally turned on their head and made to appear as something that is deliberately and terribly bad, that somehow the immigrants of today are not quite as good as the immigrants of yesteryear. Well, I'm telling you, as someone who's done this for 30 years, an entire generation, the immigrants that I first helped 30 years ago, many of whom are still my friends, are just as good, and maybe not even quite as good, as the immigrants of today. We're getting some wonderful people that want to come here. We're getting some people that Emma or Lazarus imagined tired, poor, huddled masses yearning to be free. You know, freedom is the essential quality of, of human beings. We want, to, many of us want to be free. It's, it seems to be in our DNA. And we're never truly happy until we can freely live with our family. Not free to live and punish others, not free to live and steal from others, but free to live our lives uh, without harming others. And maybe giving just a little bit back um, every day that we can and should 
show to our fellow man. I am, uh, I am committed as an immigration lawyer to uh, helping people fix their journey here at the United States, to make this their home so they can help me make us a better country, both today and going forward. You know, there was a really interesting um, seminar yesterday uh, from the American Enterprise Institute on the demographics of America. Um, and when you look at the fact, and it is a fact, that if we had zero legal immigration and zero illegal immigration to the United States, that we would shrink as a country. We are dying faster than we are borning. Now, when you think about that, and you know, other fact, that populations that don't grow don't have a growing economy. Populations that don't grow become stagnant, uh, become incestuous, they become bland, and they fade away from importance. Now, we could have that in America, uh, but I don't see that as the American dream. I, don't, I, mean, I think that God has a hand in bringing people here. I think he's always had a hand in bringing people here to this country. My own faith teaches me that that is true. And if God, in his wisdom, uh, believes that America is a place that people can and should come to for the freedom that he has blessed them with genetically, then who are we to speak out against him? Who are we to question him? Who are we uh, to uh, say otherwise? Now, we're not talking about open borders. We're not talking about, you know, hey, everybody, come on in whenever you want. Don't need a passport. All we are talking about is a system that serves our country and that also serves immigrants. And we could do it. We've done it for the last 40 years, and we're fully capable of doing it going forward. Well, I feel like I'm a preacher today, just kind of getting on the pool. But I want to preach a little bit more. I want to ch quickly change topics here and talk about another thing that's just been gnawing at me. And we actually had this on the show uh, on our one of the previous podcasts. But finally, somebody did it. We talked about uh, the appointment of uh, Ken Cuccinelli, a notorious anti-immigrant state legislator, and I think former AG for a couple of years, and losing gubernatorial candidate, to be the acting director of the USCIS. Well, we all know that he was illegally appointed to be the acting director, because the acting directors have to have worked for the agency for at least 90 days beforehand, and he did not. Um, and therefore, he's been acting as this acting director illegally. And he has issued several policy memos as a result. Well, the good news is, is that a lawsuit was just filed uh, by Clinic, uh, the Catholic Legal Immigration Network, and others, um, uh, arguing that Cuccinelli lacks the authority to serve as acting director and that any directives he issues in that capacity are therefore invalid. Uh, Cuccinelli, who does not um, um, uh, really know anything about the immigration process, um, does not satisfy the legal requirements to serve as a director under the Federal Vacancies Reform Act and the Constitution. So it was Catholic Immigration, Legal Immigration Never Clinic, and Democracy Forward, filed on behalf of seven asylum seekers and refugees, 
Um, the group are asking the court to declare directives unlawful and block the agency from enforcing them. This is something we've been asking for. Um, for example, until recently, asylum seekers were generally given 48 hours from the time they received notice of their interview for credible fear uh, to prepare for the interviews. That's been reduced to one full calendar day. Preparing for these interviews is vitally important because these interviews are a key to them obtaining uh, the ability to apply for asylum in the United States. So I'm, I am rooting uh, for these advocates. Um, uh, Anna Gallagher is, I think, the director of clinic now, and she's well poised to be successful in this. And I think it will be a good day to, uh, to rein Mr. Cuccinelli in. He, has, he apparently thinks he's the head of ICE and the head of CBP because he's always out on the border or doing CBP's job somewhere rather than focusing on um, uh, uh, the, the agency that he's supposed to be running. Uh, he really running it into the ground. Now, the other piece of news that came out this week uh, that just, was just shocking um, was this. An ICE officer attempting an arrest in Nashville, in Nashville, just in a parking lot, opened fire when the car drove away, as it was driving away, and there's video of this incident. So as reported by CNN, an ICE officer opened fire and wounded a man in a Nashville grocery store parking lot as the officer took to make an immigration arrest. The officer fired two shots after a driver he was trying to arrest during a fugitive operation supposedly drove towards the officer while fleeing the scene. Uh, the video doesn't reflect that, by the way. Uh, it reflects the, the officers off to the side, and you see the officer firing long after the truck is gone and driving away from him. Um, now, I don't know. I, first of all, this officer apparently has had problems in the past with his weapon, and uh, it, is, um, uh, it is shocking that uh, these, quote, fugitive operations, these are guys not, they're not chasing Harrison Ford who escaped from uh, a railroad wreck. Uh, these are people with a deportation order who overstayed their visa or came in illegally. Um, maybe they had a DUI 20 years ago. These aren't awful, terrible people. Usually they're working. Uh, and, you know, un unlike at the border where an ICE officer or a CBP officer doesn't need any authority to ask you a question, um, they do inside the country. And... Uh, the, the stories that we're hearing from the people involved in this were that they simply refused to ask the off, answer the officer's questions and drove away, as they're legally entitled to do. Uh, and the officer himself um, uh, then took it upon himself to shoot people. The police don't even do this anymore. They don't shoot at people r driving away from you, um, some sort of cop movie. Uh, this is really kind of an insane uh, thing uh, that uh, that's happening. It just, I mean, it's really kind of nuts. Uh, now, the Guardian newspaper reported this as well. Um, they looked like they're represented by Andrew Free, who's a, an attorney, uh, a great attorney. Uh, and he said in an interview, the men had been shot in the stomach and the elbow Thursday morning by an ICE agent. He didn't go to the hospital right away because he was frightened. Free and another attorney later negotiated with the FBI, and the man surrendered on Thursday afternoon. The FBI was involved because the agency was asked to investigate whether men assaulted a federal officer. ISIS said 
that the immigration agent opened fire after the man drove at him while feeling a tra- fleeing a traffic stop. That's not true. Um, both agencies have declined to name the man and the officer. As of Friday, the man had not been arrested or charged by the FBI. And Free said it's because the evidence doesn't support the ICE's agent's version. There's video of this happening. Um, asked whether he had any concern about the shooting, Tennessee's governor, Bill Lee, said it was too early to comment, but he took time to criticize so-called sanctuary cities. What I'm in favor of and what I support is adhering to and following the law, except when it applies to the president. Um, now, this is, uh, you know, hopefully we won't need to, we'll, get, we'll get Andrew on our, on our show, but I would have you go to CNN so you could watch the video of this incident, uh, which, uh, which clearly shows that the, um, the ICE agent did not, uh, could not have feared for her life, and that he, she was shooting at a fleeing vehicle, a fleeing vehicle. Do we really want ICE agents shooting at fleeing vehicles? Now, here in our, I want to take one more topic here before we close out for today, and I think it's kind of important. Um, It's the H-1Bs. Now, H-1Bs, a couple things happened while I was vacationing in Disney World. One of those was that the H-1B program now has a registration process that will cost an employer $10 you think, well, it's only $10. Who cares? You know, whatever. But you have to understand that uh, that $10 can only be spent as part of a submission of information process. So now employers will have to hire attorneys to review whether someone would be eligible for an H-1B um, and thus incur attorney's fees to pay for the $10 to enroll in the H submission process. This will actually result in more H-1B registration attempts than there have been registration, than actual H-1B filings over the last several years. Why? Well, to file an H-1B, it's going to cost an employer anywhere from $1,900 to $2,500 in filing fees, let alone the lawyer fees they will pay. And you're, would you be more reluctant to take a chance on an H-1B if you as an employer knew you had to write a $2,500 check or even just write a $10 check and see if you get picked and then submit your H-1B? Well, clearly you would just, okay, I'll take the $10 flyer and see if I, see if I can get picked in the lottery beforehand. So I suspect that what we've been seeing in recent years, which is about a 30% chance of being picked in the H-1B lottery will actually go down dramatically. And it would not surprise me if we had double the number of H-1B applicants' um, registrations submitted. I know, speaking to my employer clients, that they plan on filing additional, many more H-1B registrations than they have in the past, believing that they will have uh, uh, have to do that in order to secure the same percentage of folks that they had in the past uh, as, for, their, for their employment. Um, the, now, we're going to see that this is a proposed rule. It's supposed to go in effect into 90 days. Um, I, am, uh, uh, I am a little skeptical about whether they actually make it effective, but I think it will be effective here uh, by the fall. And employers will begin ramping up to get that H-1B registration filed. Now, we still don't know yet when the registration period will be. 
um, whether it'll be like before April 1, you could start submitting. And there's, there'll be no limit to the number of registrations you can submit. doesn't appear to be. Um, now, there, are, there is, appears to be a bar on duplicate registrations, which is sensible, much like there is for the visa lottery. Uh, but that just means employers will go out and find more people. And what you're going to see is a lot of these outsourcing companies will just dump tons, you know, tens of thousands of applications in, hoping they'll secure the, the number they actually need. Now, the other H-1B uh, news, which I, something I thought was, was brilliant, and I want to commend uh, the lawyers in the case, uh, Reddy and Newman in Houston, they filed a lawsuit against the USCIS for a practice that USCIS has been doing for the last couple of years, which is not approving an H-1B for the entire statutory period uh, requested in the H-1B, which is three years, but rather using their own judgment and only approving the H-1B for a shortened period of time. Uh, this, is, um, uh, this is really interesting because um, it, CIS appears to not have the regulatory or statutory authority to approve the H-1B shorter than that requested in the H-1B petition process. Their argument is that the Administration of Procedures Act, the USCIS, is required to provide a written explanation on why they have partially denied the request, and they have not done so. Um, and uh, so nobody has ever asked immigration. Now, of course, we have informally asked, uh, and they just simply say, well, you didn't give us proof that you actually need them for the, for the three-year period. Well, yes, we gave you proof it's in the request. You know, so we will have work for them as part of that going on, but we can't project out exactly what they're going to be doing in three years, particularly in the IT field, because that type of process requires a little bit more up, to, you know, at the minute type of processing. Uh, the law firm also argues that the USCIS does not have the authority to issue approvals for durations less than the requested validity period. So I wish, uh, I wish our friend Steve Brown at Ready and Newman good luck in this lawsuit. Um, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be awesome. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, as, uh, as an organization, I'm now part of ALA's litigation task force, uh, we can uh, hopefully uh, get an amicus brief filed on behalf of these folks um, to uh, maybe convince the federal court judge to uh, uh, make, uh, make this happen. You know, uh, we'll see more news this week, lots of crazier immigration stuff going on. We'll be back next week here on our Immigration Hour podcast. If you have any questions or comments or like to cop, uh, you know, handle, uh, have a talk about a specific topic, feel free to email me at chuck at immigration.net. Um, visit us on our website at uh, www.immigration.net. Uh, or you can uh, visit us on our Facebook or Twitter pages, uh, C. Cook on Twitter. And Facebook, of course, is uh, Cook Baxter. Till next week, this is your host, Charles Cook of the Immigration Hour.